Today, I want to introduce you to Sharad Kumaste, founding principal of Red Cedar Consultancy. And Sharad and I know each other from way too long ago, our gray hair is showing, when we were both working at the Food Safety Inspection Service at USDA. So thank you for joining me here today, Sharad. You're welcome, uh, Jeremy. Real, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I mean, to speak of gray hair, I have a hat on to cover my baldness, and uh, and so appreciate it. Yes, I I have some fond memories of working for you at USDA, and uh, really looking forward uh, to uh, success on your platform, and uh, you know, see a lot more people come and speak at your uh, podcast. Well, thank you. So, for those who don't know you like I do, and even then, I have a lot to catch up on. Tell us a bit about who you are and, and where you're from and what you do. Okay, uh, so um, I'm born uh, and brought up in India. Uh, there is a um, southern state called Karnataka. I think a lot of IT folks do know Bangalore uh, from it being called the Silicon Valley of uh, India. Um, so I'm from that state, not exactly from that city. Uh, I grew up uh, in that state and uh, you know, um, middle-class family in India. My, my dad worked for a government agency in India. It was the telecom agency uh, that supported all the telecom infrastructure in India. And uh, he moved quite a bit um, for his job, but we, you know, we stayed and, and uh, studied. Every, all of my studying as well as most of my uh, work career has been in Karnataka, uh, India. Uh, and uh, really that's, you know, a little bit about myself. So then, from there, though, what brought you into the IT field? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we shared this joke quite often. Um, the, in India, there's really, at, at least when I was there, maybe there's some things are getting better now, but uh, it was either you're an engineer or you're a doctor. Uh, really, there's no other, the kids there are prepared just to do that. Um, and uh, they have a lot of what they call reservation system, as in the government wants to encourage a lot of different classes of folks uh, getting seats you know, reserved for them. And that affected, and I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, I just couldn't get into the school I wanted to get into within the state. Uh, and so the only other option was to be an engineer, uh, computer engineer, uh, computer science is what I took. Uh, but to be honest, once I got into the field, I really uh, started liking it. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we had these very cool labs in the, in, the, in the school that let us play on the IBM systems back then. This is in, nine, I graduated in 93. Hmm. Um, 1993 is when I graduated my bachelor's. And so, um, you know, one of the coolest things was uh, Prince of Persia game came out at the, right around that time on the computer and, and, and they allowed us to play in the lab. So you would see the lab filled and constantly occupied because everybody that was non-computer as well wanted to come and watch it. The people play and play it and things of that nature. But, you know, uh, jokes aside, I really started liking what I was reading there. Uh, and and excelled in you know uh, in school and um, uh, then you know job wise again Bangalore was starting to get uh, to be an IT but for the longest time India stayed to be providing IT services to the rest of the world they really didn't need anything right there in India from IT perspective because there was not too much investment in the IT for, for within India itself from an interest it has changed significantly now a lot of all of the government is run by IT, everything is now IT. But back then really everybody that was IT was doing some kind of work for either European countries or America, of course. Um, so right out of the college, I think a couple of years I did some work back in India. Again, one of the companies I worked for did some work for a Japanese uh, electronic company. 
but then um, as you remember this H1B program, uh, temporary work program was, was really what uh, was catching up. Uh, they were, America was really starting to like the IT talent that was uh, coming out of India, especially. Um, and so I got into that. And so I, got, I found a company here in America that was providing IT services uh, to you know, if, uh, commercial as well as uh, federal customers. So I found one of those companies, they sponsored my H1B, you know, huge deal, right? So that, taking the computer course was worth it. Um, and later on we'll catch up, but you know, I, I, at the end right now, I am, I'm happy that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor <laughs> in the I'm engineer, you know, I, IT engineer. So that's my short, uh, you know, IT career. Uh, I mean, I, getting into IT as such. Well, and you did IT for quite a while and you definitely, you know, you had the, the education and background and, and uh, did a lot of really good stuff, at least when I was at USDA and the interactions we had there. But how did, how did that then turn into wanting to start your own company? Yeah, and, and before I go to the company side of things, I just want to cover the fact that I came and worked uh, for a small business here. Um, I, uh, the fate brought me to a really small town called New Braunfels, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, that was my first IT job there. I worked for a uh, company that managed uh, software for handling the gas pumps. Um, and so that there was a Mexican company, but we were doing uh, software here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, New Braunfels area. Um, and and uh, really, you know, good things started to happen for me, if you will. Um, they they allowed uh, they completely sponsored by masters uh, in information technology. So I did a, um, um, a a combination of information technology and information management uh, in university UTSA. Uh, I graduated from UTSA, and that's where my uh, interest for running an IT organization uh, started to build. I, I learned a lot of. Um, you know, management concepts, management theories, people management, communications management, and things of that nature that really then started to prepare me and make me more confident that in a foreign country, I should still be able to, you know, uh, talk to people, create a business model and, and, uh, and you know, uh, be able to manage it. Right? That, that master's gave me a little bit more confidence in the fact that I can uh, start a business in America, uh, sure. right? So, uh, so and there was, a, like I said, it was a mix of, 50, uh, it was about 60% management, about 40% um, IT in there. Um, but by then I was doing, um, I, IT and geekness has never left me. Um, you And in, in, in fact, it's starting, some of my people now are starting to tell me that I need to step back, you know, not talk IT. <laughs> because I, I'll, I'll get to that, but uh, I, I'm still a true geek at heart. Um, I still like to solve uh, uh, real computer problems as in, you know, I go, sometimes I go into even now being CEO, I still go into trying to solve some code problems and I if somebody is struggling to, you know, find some code issues, I want to get in um, to an extent, right? I have in my basement, I have a, I almost had a data center. I have about $6,000, $7,000 of investment in a Dell PowerEdge server I built. You know, I have, I have that. Um, and I, my passion, um, doing something on my own has always been there with me. Even when in India, I didn't do just one job. I used to go teach um, at, at a computer school in the evenings after my day job. Um, and I, even when I came to America after I had my twins, uh, I used to teach at two universities, so University of Phoenix as well as uh, Colorado State University. So I uh, taught at two universities. So doing something for myself always made, gave me the maximum pleasure um, of you know, um, achieving something was is what uh, 
I had, um, but now I mean, starting my own company and an IT services company within the Washington DC area, it turned out to be a really, you know, I, I guess, you know, as they say, opportunity met, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's no luck, but opportunity meeting, meeting uh, preparation. So that that's that's how I see it. So the you know I, I'm going all over the place, but the the master's degree is what really helped me um, be ready for starting my own company. That's that's a really good point. I, I've I've known a lot of people in IT who, you know, they stop at the bachelor's and they're and, and that's fine, right? They they do very very well in their careers, but then I've met a few others who have gone into um, additional education and done something similar to you where it's not fo fully focused on technical aspects, but brings in that business side, which then, in, you know, adds in some dynamic uh, opportunities to learn about, you know, leadership and business management and what, what does it mean to, you know, for the business side of the business, not just the delivery of technical solutions, but how do we make a business function and, and make money and keep it going? Right, right, and and uh, so again, uh, the coupled coupled with my education, the you know, uh, I'm a classic case of necessity is mother of invention type of thing. Uh, from San Antonio, I wasn't happy there from from an IT landscape, uh, so I wanted to go out and find other areas where there's more market for IT. Uh, Dallas was uh, you know the closest, uh, but it wasn't as heavy. In, you know, I went on dice.com. I had a C++ programming background and they said for C++, you must be in Washington, D.C. And then so I found a startup company here in Western Virginia um, and then moved here. And within my six weeks of moving here, I was told that the company has no more funds to survive. Of course. It was a startup company, very badly managed by the founder at that time. Um, and so, so if you can imagine San Antonio, a very small town, we owned a home there, we were paying mortgage and uh, it wasn't sold there yet. We came here, huge town home price, you know, I was paying $2,800 for a small town home, $900 mortgage there. And then I have a new, I have no job, right? I had, and I paid for my own moving as well because they said, let you know, 90 days and we'll pay for your moving expenses and stuff like that. And, and now I had to go do something. So I found a job with, as a, as a information, as a chief architect uh, at GDIT, um, General Dynamics Information Technology. That's where I think I started working for uh, you at USDA. I was a sub to them and we were working there. Um, but then I started, Again, my my I have to do something on my own. Kicked in right after settling down in the in the job there, and uh, what the best thing was to start an IT services company, and immediately I did that, and I became a sub to GDIT within that USDA's contract. Within mm -hmm. the first year, we grew from one to six people right there in that. Uh, at that point, it was just a staffing company, um, and I was still doing a lot of programming and information technology as as an as an employee of the company. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, because that's that's a unique look into that, you know, how do you start a business yeah. without a lot of capital, right? You do it while you're doing your other job. That's right. And, that's, yeah. And, you know, that's a, that's a good point to bring up. I think if, if any business is well suited for zero capital funding, this is the, you know, services, IT services business, right? I mean, you need very little capital to start. Um, so, but it's the drive. You just need the drive uh, because government contracting, by nature, as you know, is is pretty hairy. 
<laughs> you know, it's, you need a lot of patience to you know start your registry your company. Although I mean, I'm, generally they make it easy just to enter into the SAM and and put your company in. But then you have to register with your state, and, the, and so that initial drive is is uh, what I think stops many people from from doing any of that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad I did, um, and uh, then we grew from there. Um, I think I I spoke to you uh, for earlier that uh, the the passion I showed in in growing the business attracted larger businesses to work with us. Um, um, and and be partnering with us at at USDA. It was really, I mean, we were doing so well. Um, when I say we there, right? It was me. I was doing well. The customer wanted me there, and that's usually how the small businesses start. Uh, they want that person because you know they don't really care about the company or what have you. They want the work done, uh, and so I, I saw that as an opportunity. Really, they want me, then I should you know attach more strings to it. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, <laughs> of and so build the company um, and that's how I started it. And then we grew our business. So, we, and, and the b- for big first win was uh, a uh, 30 million five year, five year BPA. I was the sub win. Uh, we won that contract and that gave a really solid footing uh, for growing from there. Um, that's true. Cause right. You have to make, you have to make money for, for a company to grow. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and so I think if I can go back, the, my passion was to build a data center on my own uh, at that time, right? Let's imagine 10, 15 years ago, you had, you know, if you had a server that had 64 processors in it, then you can do a lot of things on that. And so I wanted to build a, a Moodle based, I don't know if you've heard Moodle, it's a learning management system. So I wanted to, build, so my passion is that I wanted to first build that Moodle platform itself and then build courses on top of that and then actually teach them, right? That's how I want it to be. Um, and that, you know, that type of drive is still within me. Uh, even now, I once in a while, I log in our Azure instance and try to you know, play around with something. Uh, music is my another passion. Um, and and um, in this COVID situation, uh, I would really love to build a platform uh, for, for music collaboration across the world. You know, now, now that musicians cannot come back, come together, uh, in a, in a common hall and and do their you know music bits together, there are there are uh, things like um, um, live jamming. Uh, you know, that, so you, your guitarist could be in UK and you could be in, in uh, a singer could be in America and they can come back. And so I'm I'm exploring that kind of opportunities, building AWS and Azure platforms for that. That's so still, cool. yeah, um, I'm still IT you know geek at heart. And, so then, uh, so I mean, so you, your company's been around for a little while now. I mean, you've been growing and, and having some successes. Um, what, what is something you see within uh, the way we do business here in DC, especially, because that's where a lot of the government work is, but how, is there a change or, 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 or you know, an idea that maybe we should capture and, and consider in how we do that government and industry interaction? Yeah, I mean, I've in my I'm we are nine years into the into the business. Um, the first few years were just tapping and learning through the model, and now uh, we are starting to be closer to being prime and you know come out under the the umbrella of the mentor and uh, and start running our own um, business. I've I've seen a lot of things um, getting to be better, but generally, right, um, the, because of um, a lot of decision making points. Um, involved they don't move at the pace of the technology right that's that's the number one challenge we've seen uh, but but on the flip side of things having been too close to it we also see that 
changing at the speed of technology is is not really what they want right government wants to run the business and and we, we have we have heard this more than often that um it is a supporting role for the business it's not it itself is not a business right, right. Um, so so that's that you know there is a lot of legacy systems that are doing the job like even ssa today is still running i believe a lot of uh, a cobol and and uh, base systems and things like that but if it's doing them their job even irs today right it's irs and ssa they're um, if you can imagine the irs systems are feels like so antiquated but they're taking care of the, the and the, and the scale of the implementations are are only a few commercial companies can come close to it right so if somebody's sitting outside and passing a judgment on us government that you're not passing you know you're not changing fast enough they just don't understand the 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 magnitude of data they handle uh, and things like that so on one side i understand uh, they have to have you know uh, uh, piecemeal modernization efforts that they have to go through but i think it can speed up uh, more um, we are seeing agile agile coming in a lot more uh, a lot more agencies are starting to get agile and devsecops and you know those uh, concepts are coming i think the cloud concept will speed up and and uh, you know uh, bring them up to par far, far quicker than any other technology that was out there so they can outsource the it um to other agencies um, i mean i think I, I agree i think devsecops is a key you know i want to say methodology that if adopted by agencies will transform their business right and they'll be able to bite it in in pieces in in, in manageable pieces through that process and it could, it could significantly change and get rid of some of um some of our antiquated legacy things that we still have because if you look at it and say, I got to replace this thing, it's too big. Right. It's just too much at once. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I can be bitterly honest, I think a lot more accountability within the government um, uh, folks themselves who are assigned to their work. I mean, there's maybe 10, I'm, I'm, I'm just making this number up, but in my experience, maybe 10, 15% of uh, employees seem to be really committed to their job uh, from, for, from what uh, perspective we hear. Um, but, you know, um, if if we can see more improvements around that, I don't know how it, it's a big government is a big organization, right? So where do you bring the the policies from to to make that happen? Um, you know, I think Trump tried a little bit to to effectuate that that you can fire people all, you know on the spot and things of that nature, but not not nearly enough to to make them be motivated to do their jobs more, you know, better. It's, I think that's. Yeah, that's my you know without getting into trouble kind of answer. <laughs> well, no, I think it's interesting. I mean, there's been many conversations over the years. I mean, I've been in government uh, now for 12 years. Yeah. There's been many conversations on how do we evolve our workforce in, in ways that um, get them out of their old stovepiped view of how we do things. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely room for improvement and room for improvement in how we skill up people, how we you know, fluidly address the, the things that we need to get done. Yep. Um, you know, my agency, we do it because we out, we basically outsource everything. And so that makes it much easier when you don't carry a, a staff load, but that's not the answer everywhere. Right. Cause you have to have some level of stability at larger agencies. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a really interesting uh, challenge that um, we need to. One, one in the last six months, I want to say, I don't know where I, I need to track where it came from, but um 
there is there was what we saw was a very little connection between IT and the business, right? Uh, and what we are starting to see is a lot of language in the procurement packages and things of that nature where they want companies to prove that they can deliver business value. I think quote unquote business value is what uh, is really catching up and it really makes sense in the, you know, when you do sprints or when, you know, when you do your sprint cycles, don't deliver me features like this button works or that screen works, but what did that do for the business? Is, you know, can you tie that down to, um, if, you can, if you can define your user stories as business units, not a IT unit, uh, is what we are starting to see as a language, delivering rapid business value. And I think that might, um, because right now IT is doing IT, they deliver whatever they deliver and no, nobody knows what it really does for the business, right? I think they're trying to tie, tie that together a little bit better. Uh, That's a good point. Change. Yeah, I think, I think IT organizations that are business focused um, bring that, you know, bring that value and then bring, and also bring, you know, whatever com uh, companies coming in to help leverage brings the business value, you're right. Um, that those are the IT organizations that I hear lots of positive stuff about from yep. various agencies. And it's, yep. it's a positive change, but it is a mentality change. Um, and it, in some cases it'll require turnover, in some cases uh, you just gotta wait for somebody to retire. Right, <laughs> yeah, the, you, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it's, yeah, because they, are, they, are, they believe in certain you know, way of operating and uh, it's hard to change, and and so yeah, we were an agency at USDA. We went in, and that they had no uh, implement. This is about ten years ago, right? So at FSIS, um, they yeah. they we actually introduced Agile there, uh, including how to buy Agile based sprint package uh, in the procurement side of things. So there, even that's a huge challenge, right? How do you, so once they you know and the contract moves to Agile, how do you procure it? You know, do we? Do we pay them on a per sprint basis, or you know that those those were some huge challenges, and uh, we were part of solving some of those problems. Well, then how do you sell upper management on what it's, you know, we need X number of dollars. Oh, what am I going to get for it? Well, you're going right. to get the best thing needed. Well, that requires a lot of trust from upper leadership yeah. to the people at the lowest level, and that's not something government traditionally or businesses in general traditionally have had to you know live with. So yeah, it's it's interesting change. Yeah, even under Obama's administration, or I mean DHS, um, they, DHS is still you know, within their procurement packages. You will see they want the Silicon Valley type of companies to come in and and uh, effectuate change, right? So it's uh, they're they're starting to have that mindset. Um, but those are some improvements I see that uh, that can be effective in moving the government much farther, right? Miles sure. sooner. Yeah. So, so where do you see opportunities for growth for, for you and also for your company uh, in, in the near future? Yeah, so um, we, are, we are well situated. One of the things that we did as a company is to, to work hard on, on acquiring vehicles, um, right? So these vehicles last for 10, 15 years uh, and then task orders on them. So in the last two years, we have won um, vehicles to the tune of uh, four. Uh, 17 billion dollars right so we won a won a vehicle at uh, air force uh, that's uh, a 13 billion dollar vehicle um also this is all of air force's enterprise business solutions uh, they are going to procure on this vehicle this is a follow on to what they call netsense i don't know if you've heard of a vehicle called netsense so we are on that as prime um, and, and, and then we won scc uh, we have a vehicle for 2 billion for 10 years at scc um, mm -hmm. 
and then we have a single award 110 million dollar bpa at uh, small business administration where we're doing a lot of cloud work and things of that nature so i think winning on these vehicles plus keep adding uh, vehicles uh, to the portfolio will will uh, make a stronger um, uh, situated going in the next five to ten years and we as a company we have we added a new coo this year um very effective industry leader uh, that knows you know belt is is well known within the belfry adesh chain and so he's bringing in uh, quite a bit of uh, new connect you know relationships and businesses um and and uh, so that's you know we really um right now i would consider we are a bit of a heavy on the civilian government work uh, we are looking to you know go into the the dod space and and especially air force um, is is where we are targeting Interesting. So I think that's very smart of you. So a lot of small businesses and before I got into the government, I worked for a number of small companies that were, you know, 15, 20 people um, that were only flashing the pans, right? They were only there until their first contract was gone. And then the company was gone because yep. uh, they never could figure out how to leverage that first contract into additional work. It's pretty smart of you to focus on vehicles. Vehicles are, if you don't, if you're not on the vehicle, you can't even bid. Uh, Correct. Work. And, and GSA is pushing vehicles big. So most agencies like my agency, the very first thing we got to, if we're not going to put it on a vehicle, it's a big grind to prove why we shouldn't. And yep. because the vehicles yep. bring with them a lot of already language in place and, and uh, uh, set um, companies that can definitely do the work. And so why, why would an agency then not use a vehicle? So yeah. that's, that's pretty smart. Yeah, and uh, you know we are a prime on CIOSP3. Um, we actually went and bought a company that had CIOSP3 vehicle. They were not doing any bidding on that. They were so. To your point, um, I might be very close to the number. I think seventy or eighty percent of the companies fizzle out in the first three years. Yeah, they start, they they get somewhere, but then three years later, they're like, ah, you know, I, I don't. Want, this is not for me. And and uh, so there is there is quite a bit of uh, struggle involved in in. I think it's like a 10% win, uh, right? Well, the win ratio to bid ratio. So you have to bid 100 proposals. You have to put in 100 proposals to get, you know, 10, 10, 10 of them. And and so that that part is 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 the one that kills the government contracting companies. It's the proposal process is is pretty intensive. Um, it has a lot of different components and and uh, lots of different documentations to read. And that cycle takes long, right? So our SB's vehicle took. 16 months or so to award so you, if you're sitting there as a small business uh, with no other revenue then you're going to be in trouble so yeah we are we have been very fortunate in that sense we have put in our hours and uh, starting to see some fruit uh, come out just recently like i mentioned we won a 27 million dollar contract yeah enterprise architecture contract um at uh, one of the I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that we are still looking to get approval for them for uh, for uh, marketing and communications. Sure. Yeah, so we are seeing good growth. Um, these vehicles should should make us uh, a, a partnership is another thing, right? Once and you have to make a name where uh, more proven companies are ready to partner with you to work. You have to be a trusted company and a hardworking company that has good proposal management. Uh, house to your company and things like that. So that, that's where we invested as well to make sure that we have a good proposal shop and we can do the, the our share of, uh, you know, partnership deal, uh, whatever we sign up for the partnership. Yeah, that's important too. You're right. Because there's some procurements, government likes to bundle things sometimes. Um, and so then if it's not a key 
you know, uh, area that your business can, can drive and, and bring, you need a partner to bring in to, you know, team on that uh, opportunity. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's where we are focused on now to, we have now invested in vehicles now time to, I mean, of course we want to have what industry, what government calls best in class vehicles. So there's a CIO SP3 coming up uh, in a month or so. So we want to make sure we are you know, working towards that. So be focusing on uh, getting more vehicles into the mix, but also you know, start monetizing some of those vehicles now. now. This is where our focus will be. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Well, Sharad, I, I, I thank you for giving me your time today. This has been very enlightening and get, you know, as a government person, it's very, very interesting to hear how you know, you, the small business uh, challenges and how you have to work diligently to grow your business and you know, make your case to, to government for why your company can can deliver. And so thank you so much for sharing that with me today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Actually, thank you for inviting me. I know it, you know, it makes me feel important that I've achieved something that I'm speaking out in the market. Uh, and, and hopefully I give uh, some information that's useful to others. Yeah, well, you, you definitely, your path, if nothing else, your path is very inspirational for those who are you know trying to decide what they're gonna do. and. Maybe somebody does want to own, wants to own their own business, but that you don't start there sometimes, right? Unless you've got a lot of capital and a way to invest, you, you don't start there. You you do what you did. You 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 start earning income and you start some things on the side. You figure out what's going to stick, and that's a very inspirational story. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. You take care. All right. <laughs>